Hey, Stage Combat listeners, this is Sean Hayden. And while we are busy in the studio editing season two of Stage Combat for you, we have this bonus episode for you to listen to. I sat down and had a really interesting conversation with mental health counselor Imari Hardin, who has the unique perspective of having worked as a professional actor. She was in the Tony Award-winning production of Avenue Q for five years. And I think you'll find what she has to say about the industry really eye-opening. So enjoy this bonus episode. You're listening to a bonus episode of Stage Combat, a mental health story. Today I have with me mental health counselor Amari Hardin. Welcome to Stage Combat. Hi, thank you for having me. Amari is a counselor in New York City, but she also has a very unique perspective and background as a counselor in that she has worked professionally as an actor, including for five years in the Tony Award-winning production of Avenue Q. And Amari, I, um, you know, we met and we got to talk a little bit and you just had a lot of interesting insights about mental health and performers and the industry. I thought this would be a great opportunity just to get your insights as a counselor and a performer about the particular mental health challenges that performers face in the theater industry. I think maybe the place to start would be just kind of acknowledging the the inherent problems that we face that are just part of being in the industry. Yeah. So the first is rejection obviously you get told i remember they told us when i was in school was that like you're gonna hear a hundred from day one they're like you're gonna hear a hundred no's before you hear one yes and sometimes that yes is not even the yes you was hoping for and like it's a whole it's a whole situation (laughs) so i think that it is very very important to do a few things one is to make sure that you have a practice of practicing your art in a form that you love it in. Because I think a lot of times what happens is people get so invested in the drive of auditioning and grinding and rehearsals. And even now we've got social media that people are trying to create content that is so much about survival. This thing that we love doing that we came to because it brought us joy and it filled our souls and it like made us see the world in a brighter view now has become the thing that we're dependent on. So we have a place to live and we have a place to eat. And it's tied into this system of people constantly telling us no. And sometimes it's about us. Sometimes it's about the sandwich they ate being bad. Sometimes it's about the producers having favorites. Like there's so many obstacles and reasons why you may not be chosen for a show. But what I think is beyond your control. It's beyond your control. And so I think being in control of enjoying your art and making sure that it is still a hobby for you and not just something that you live for is very important. You know, I got to a point in my career where I actually, and I talk about this in the podcast, I actually enjoyed auditions Mm. because it was an opportunity to do what you love to do. It's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to be who you are to perform. And yes, there's pressures with new, new material and things like that. But I think it's so important to try to at least strive to find that, you know, you don't have to be in a show to be able to do what you love to do. You can do that in the audition and to sort of embrace that, that you are, you are performing, you are creating art in a room. Yeah, absolutely. I think for people that are able to like, 
enjoy the audition process and recognize it for what it is, which is an opportunity to perform and do the thing that you love, I think that's awesome. But I think there's also importance in taking it completely out of context. So like something that I did in addition to being in Avenue Q for several years is I had the the absolute pleasure and like blessing to be the associate producer of Broadway Sessions, which is a cabaret produced by Broadway veteran Ben Cameron, that the whole idea behind Broadway Sessions is allowing performers to sing the songs they want to sing and they love to sing instead of the songs they get paid to sing. Let's also talk about that I don't think a lot of people realize who are not in the theater community about the psychological effects that performing roles, particularly certain roles, has on uh, performing artists, particularly when you're doing it eight times a week. Mm -hmm. And I assume that, you know, working with clients, you see that struggle on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think especially people are really drawn to stories that make them feel really seen and heard. But a lot of times what makes people feel seen and heard is seeing like, oh, this is abuse that I also experienced or like this is a trauma that I can relate to. And so I think a lot of people really feel touched and warmed by stories like, you know, Seeley's journey in The Color Purple or Billy Porter's character in Kinky Boots is somebody, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, I struggled with that and I see that too. But part of it is that we have to portray that struggle on the stage every day, Mm. eight shows a week. And so our bodies and our minds are very linked and very connected. You know, you get sad, you start crying. You feel anxious, you get butterflies in your stomach. Like they're very connected. So if you're recreating that trauma for yourself every day on stage and you don't have a safe container for it, you don't have somebody to help you process it, you don't have somebody to help you navigate how it may show up outside of the stage. Like, it can be very taxing to like bear your soul on stage that way. Cause if somebody just phones it in, everybody knows they phone it in and nobody wants it. People want somebody that's what they say is like that you're ready to go there, that you're like willing to like show up to like a really difficult story. And, you know, but what I remember is something that I find if I'm being completely honest, uh, really harmful about the way that we train performers right now is that, they go for the emotion and then don't talk about aftercare at all. That I very distinctly remember my teachers being like, what's going on? Like poking holes at me, trying to get me to like put down my social masks and like all of my like, all of my like barriers to (laughs) being vulnerable that I had built over the years. But the fact of the matter is that I built those barriers because I was not safe growing up. And so they broke those barriers down and then I was crying and they were like, thank you for your bravery. Ballet's in five minutes. Don't be late. You only get three absences. And so And I will say, I know that there are, I have some of my clients have come to me directly because they're like, my theater professor said, I need to come see a therapist. So I'm I'm glad that there seems to be some change in that a little bit. Yeah, I'd like to just kind of go kind of extend what you're saying, Amari, is that, you know, Mm -hmm. our jobs require us to, you know, bear our emotions and our, and, but where is the aftercare? You know, where is the, where is that in our, our, our spaces of employment? Where is the the care recognizing how are the employers caring for the mental health of the performers? What are your thoughts about that? I think, honestly, I'm just going to be straight up. I think they need to do better. Some of the issues that are happening in the theater, we need to we need to really look at. And I think we started addressing it during the pandemic when everybody sat down. But then, you know, the pandemic was over and we came back and everybody's so excited about Broadway starting back at all costs. And I do understand that. And I'm not a producer in that sense. So I don't know the money side of that. But I do think that understanding of what 
makes a space safe is not all the way there when it comes to theater because we are expected to have intense emotions. We're expected to use our bodies in these incredible ways all the time that sometimes the producers and the creative teams and the people that be forget that we're people. Yeah. I know several people who both clients of mine and friends of mine that have really struggled with this space is not safe. I think a lot of I personally, I'm not going to name names because I don't want nobody coming for me, but I know there are a lot of favorites in the Broadway community that are known bullies, very known, actively. People know that other people are being bullied and they're not saying anything because that woman's name sells the show. Or this person is so respected that like, I like that I am in conjuncture with her. So I don't say anything about it. And then they don't protect the other people who are being affected by that. So I think there has been a start. I know there with intimacy direction, I think is is one way that is definitely showing up. I know there are people who work now as like racial equity and diversity consultants that are working in certain shows. I know there is a tour that was having some issues with with mental health issues that I like am close to somebody in the cast. So I like compiled a list of therapists to send to the producers for them to like give resources to the people. So I think there is a there is a start, but the same way that physical therapy just comes with a hard show because you're working out your your shoulder muscle every day. And if you don't have somebody relax it for you, then you'll get stuck that way. The same is if you keep reenacting a suicide every day and you don't have somebody work that muscle for you and help you get back to a safe space that is going to ultimately have a devastating long-term effect. I think you're absolutely right. You know, we saw after the pandemic, the progression on Me Too, on DEI, but where, and I will not stop talking about this, where is the movement? Where is the support on mental health? when you are exploiting the vulnerability of your performing artists on stages to sell tickets. And we've got to do better. And there are things you can do. You just mentioned there was a production where there were a list of therapists that were resources. You know, I, I didn't have any in the story that we're telling right now, but that would be a start. And I know we've talked to uh, some of our guests about behavioral health consultants mm-hmm. on productions. I assume mm-hmm. you think that's a pretty good idea? I do. Yeah. I think it's a very good idea. I don't think that anything could hurt. Because right now there's not there's nothing. <laughs> right. There's 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 nothing. there's nothing. Having space to be able to talk about it is is important to help us figure out. Sometimes there's a sometimes there's an easy fix. But if nobody's talking about the thing, then we don't know what that easy fix is. If everybody is yeah. just trying to swallow it on their own because they think that they don't want to cause a problem to the production. And like I was in a production once that I um, had some interpersonal conflicts with somebody else that was in the show that it got resolved, but I had the stage manager come to me and be like, I really appreciate you not making this a bigger deal because you really could have, and that would have been a lot for me to do. And I'm just like, you saw, you watched me struggle and swallow it on my own and you let me tackle it on my own. And I tackled it on my own because I was worried about upsetting the way that the production was was structured. And that is not really fair. Yeah, because that's what's ingrained in us. It is told to us, do not stir the pot. And mm-hmm. by stirring the pot, they mean don't speak up when you don't feel safe or you feel like your mental health is in, is in trouble. And that's what's got to change. And the other thing I'm wondering too is that, you know, particularly with these large cast shows, you know, you have a lot of energies. You have a lot of potential for conflict. 
you need people that are skilled in conflict resolution, in mediation. I know some intimacy directors take on that role, you know, to come in and try to facilitate. But the employers have just sort of, you know, you guys are on your own, kind of wiping their hands of it. They need to realize you, you are putting on productions and asking people to do very complex things. So you need to up your game as to, you know, who's on your management team? Who's on your production team to not only help with the mental health issues, but with the conflicts that can produce the mental health issues? Mm-hmm. I think there absolutely just needs to be more space for even communicating. Something about the situation doesn't feel safe. How can performing artists better support the mental health of other performing artists? I think it's nice to think that we're all one big family we all love Broadway, but I'm not sure that's always the case. No. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? My thoughts are, one, more space for, for self-care, for sure. I know of a person in a show that has a history. They're biracial. They hit puberty like way earlier than their friends. So like historically, they have just been the other outside person or whatever that they came to the theater to feel included. But then they got to the theater and it's their Broadway debut and everybody else has like been in the show for a long time or not been in the show, but has been, has had other Broadway shows or whatever. And she's now found herself in a situation where she's absolutely othered again in the show and now she's beating herself up because she's like but I love theater like do I not love theater because I don't love being here that I was like if there was space for her to just say oh this doesn't feel good (laughs) um I don't feel like I am connected to you all or I don't know you like let's figure this out if there was space for that that would be really helpful but there isn't space for that instead what she is met with is aren't you happy to be on Broadway you should be so grateful and it's not that she's not grateful. She just is also being like re-traumatized and having people tell her to be grateful is not helpful in that situation. Or engaging in some sort of harmful, toxic positivity. Right. Denying what you're experiencing. Right. You know, which I think we find that sometimes in our work situations is like, you know, you just need to act like everything's okay and be grateful that, and lucky that you have a job. Mm-hmm. There is the the main concept of DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, that they actually randomly did a very good job of explaining in She-Hulk, the series on Marvel. Um, oh, is that right? <laughs> they, I was like, great, y'all, y'all nailed that. Um, that, that uh, but the main concept is that more than one thing can be true at the same time. You can be really grateful that you're making your Broadway debut and also be not having a great time. Those things can both be true. And there is space for both of those things to be honored and acknowledged. So often there isn't necessarily space to acknowledge that. And I think often people don't speak up about harmful behaviors or environments because they are just grateful to be there. My hope is to try to empower people to feel like that they can speak up, that we've Mm -hmm. got to change the culture and that speaking up does not mean you're one of the three D's, I call them dramatic, diva, difficult. What can we say to people who are listening to this, who so many times do not feel empowered to be able to speak up? How do we change that culture? We change that culture by the people who have a little bit more power and access and notoriety speaking up about what has happened with them. I first started having panic attacks around the time that uh, Patty Murin was having panic attacks. She was in Frozen at the time. I think she was Anna. And she was just very open about, 
I am calling out for my mental health. I'm like, this is what is necessary and this is what is needed. That, but she also has the platform, not the platform, but like the, the, all of the credits on her resume and the, the trust of the creative team and casting and producers that like. She has power. She's, yeah. So if those people were willing to, to step up and have more conversations about it so that it isn't a thing of like, oh, you're just new and you don't have a thick enough skin. You shouldn't necessarily. Sure, there is a thick skin for like, there's not enough roles for everybody. Sometimes you are going to have a bad day and you're going to have to like put on a happy face and do the show. I think that is that comes with the territory. But I think it has gone way too far that there is a difference between I had a bad day and the show must go on and I'm chronically depressed and the show is impacting that depression and the show must go on. That's a different conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I hope if, again, if anyone gets anything out of this conversation and what we're trying to do in this podcast is that we encourage each other as performing artists, we encourage each other as the community to speak up and to support each other when we speak up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amari, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about all things mental health in the theater community. We covered a lot of topics and uh, we appreciate you being a guest on Stage Combat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This conversation and this podcast should not be considered a substitute for medical or mental health advice. So if you are experiencing any medical or mental health issues, please seek independent medical advice from a healthcare professional.